0: Welcome to the Pinebridge Investment Podcast. I'm Hedda Baron, Content Manager for Asia. In this episode, we explore investing in Asia ex-Japan equities with portfolio manager, Caroline Lok. Caroline joined Pinebridge eight years ago and has been managing the Asia ex-Japan equities strategy for more than three years. Caroline is a bottom-up fundamental investor looks for opportunities across all market capitalizations. We check in with her on how her strategy is doing and talk about valuations and secular trends in Asia and what potential opportunities and risks could be on the horizon in 2022. Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. So let's start off by looking at the rearview mirror. What were the highlights of 2021 for your strategy? which event had the most impact?
1: I think 2021 has been one of the busiest year in terms of highlights. So to begin with, I think policies are the biggest of all. So the geopolitics between US and China impacting the China ADRs. Then we have the, you know, tightening of regulation in China, impacting wide range of companies like e-commerce, educations and to the extent of properties. Then after policies, we have disruption due to COVID. You know, for example, most part of ASEANs were shut in 2021. And we are seeing also in India and ASEANs uh, emergence of unicorns, which we find is very interesting.
0: So what's your view on where valuations are going in 2022?
1: Let me caution you, the highlight numbers may not paint a bright picture for Asia. However, I think there is a dumbbell-shaped valuation in the markets. You know, one end of the market is looking, you know, expensive, while, you know, at the other far end, it's trading at very compelling valuations. In 2022, we are expecting the companies that are fundamentally sound trading at attractive valuation that had been ignored by the market in 2021 should catch up. So
0: given this valuation backdrop, where do you see opportunities in 2022?
1: China, though, has disappointed in 2021, but looks very attractive to us. Where many world class companies are currently trading at compelling valuations under the assumptions that the business model is broken, which we think that's not so. Hence, we are overweight on China. Apart from China, we are also seeing many structural trends in Asia. For example, in automation, the world is aging fast, Asia is not exempted. Coupled with increasing affluence in Asia, it is getting very difficult to get labor for many industries. So improving productivity and efficiency are crucial, and the solution to this is automation. So the automation penetration rate will only increase in Asia. Another interesting structural trend that we find in Asia is actually energy demand for clean energy that safeguard the environment. And this demand is growing rapidly in Asia. For example, there is concerted effort globally to reduce CO2 emission. Governments around the world are racing to see who gets to carbon neutrality first. China and Korea want to be the leader in this race. And China is going to be the largest market for electric vehicle in the world going forward. And another trend that I would like to share is Asia is going through a huge digital boom. E-commerce is not new to us, but in Asia, e-commerce is growing at different rate in different countries. China is the world leader in e-commerce. Penetration rate is one of the highest, but the growth is slowing. India and ASEAN e-commerce and FinTech companies are growing through what we saw in China 10 years ago. So we find many interesting companies in Asia at the moment. Thank you for sharing those
0: opportunities. On the other hand, what potential risks would you be closely keeping an eye on in the next several months?
1: I think the key risk now is COVID. You know, that leads to huge humanitarian loss apart from the economic loss. Let's hope that, you know, we will not be in lockdown again.
0: As you know, there's great buzz around startup IPOs in India and Indonesia, for example. What are your thoughts around this?
1: Is this something that you're looking at? Before answering you, let me start with a story. Two salesmen of a shoe company were sent to a whoop-whoop country. One came back saying, no one wears shoes in the whoop-whoop, so no business opportunity there. Another one came back saying, no one wears shoes now in Woop. Whoop, there is a large base of unserviced consumers. So this is what's happening now in India and Indonesia. So what happened in China 10 to 15 years ago, we are witnessing in India and Indonesia today. There are many interesting companies coming to the public market. These companies are unifying the countries and service the huge unserviced consumer. In short, yes, we are looking at this space without losing focus of valuations.
0: You manage an all cap strategy. Why would it make sense for investors to consider this kind of strategy in
1: this kind of market? We invest in large, small and mid-sized companies. However, predominantly, we are tilted toward large. More than 70% of the portfolio are in large-cap companies. While other parts of the market did relatively well due to excess liquidity, large-cap space, particularly in China, on the other hand, suffered due to regulatory concerns in 2021. Large-cap and small-cap index performance difference also got amplified due to the construction of the index where small cap have small weight to Hong Kong China as compared to large cap benchmark. So large cap with good products and services, proven management capability and solid financial position shall not lack which they have done actually. So we expect the catch up should happen.
0: Thank you, Caroline, for sharing your insights.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit pinebridge.com for more insights and to learn more about our ASIA capabilities.